Hello, I'm Chelsea, and me and my team of Tiffany, Leslie, and Anika are all going to cover different parts of the judicial policymaking and decision-making, and we're going to compare them between the United States and Nigeria. For starters, for my portion of the judicial policymaking and decision-making, I will be covering precedent. First, to discuss precedent, I'd like to start by saying this is one of the things that is the same, mostly, throughout the United States. First, precedent is also known as stare decisis. Courts in the United States follow precedent and look at earlier cases on similar issues and facts that are currently at hand. This happens because the system is based on the principle and the idea that like cases should be decided alike. Judges will look at current case and select a prior case to rely on to help them with their ruling and their decision making. Prior cases must meet two requirements to be considered binding precedent. First, the prior case must address the same legal questions applied to similar facts. The more facts that are the same, the more weight the judge will give the prior case when deciding on the present case. One of the reasons why we use precedent and why it's so helpful is because it creates certainty. We generally know how a court is going to rule based on previous cases. Litigants are able to compare prior cases with their own, and then they will take and submit these prior cases in briefs and then submit them to the court. This gives the judge the information they need to make their ruling. If it's not submitted, obviously the judge has the ability to do the research themselves, but it's nice to have them in hand. The next requirement, specifically for a binding precedent, is that it must have been decided by the same court or a superior court within the court's hierarchy. This is district courts at the bottom, court of appeals in the middle, and then the Supreme Court at the top. So any precedent that the Supreme Court sets, the courts underneath it will have to follow their precedent. But each state has its own system. It's similar from state to state. Federally, this state is the same. States do not need to follow other states' precedent, but all states must follow the United States Supreme Court precedent. So if Minnesota makes a precedent in our Supreme Court, Wisconsin does not have to follow it. No other state must have to follow that precedent. But let's say the Supreme Court rules on that same case and they make it a precedent, then all 50 states will also have to follow the Supreme Court's ruling. Precedent promotes stability, as we've already talked about a little bit. It also gives fairness and predictability in the legal system. Also, that change happens in incremental form, a gradual assimilation of new rules into society instead of making drastic changes will help with a nice flow of new rules into the legal system. 
And not to mention, the legal system takes forever anyways. Could you imagine how much longer it would take if a judge had to make decisions on every case every time? It would be horrible. It would be even more clogged than what it is. Precedent allows for an expedited process. Precedent also allows for judges to look back and do research on legal matters if the rule is not clear. Because let's be honest, rules are never really clear. There's vague language in it. They use very weird phrases. This just means that they can make sure that their views are matching previous judges' views to ensure that they're understanding it in the correct way or in the way that it has been always thought of. While precedent is not entirely what decisions are based off of, because judges are allowed to exercise some discretion, they can't stray very far from it unless the court decides to overrule previous precedent. It's possible, but it's a very hard and long process. The ability to overrule previous precedent allows for the legal system to change if needed, given the currency of events and issues in society today. Views change, roles change, Rules change. Precedent should change along with those. Now, I'm going to take a moment and reiterate the rules that precedent plays in the legal system. Certainty and predictability of the law. Promotion of judicial efficiency. Development of the law. Prevention of prejudice. Sets principle of equality. Reduces error or changes. Now, that's just a handful of the reasons why precedent is so helpful. And it sounds pretty standard, right? Makes sense? Now, I'm going to throw something at you. I read that list of the roles that precedent plays from the Nigerian perspective. They have the same views and values about precedent. There must be an operating hierarchy of courts. The issue of fact and the law in the prior case must be similar to the current case. The decisions of the higher courts binds the lower courts. Because Nigerians speak English and many other languages, their word for stereodecisis translate to keep what has been decided previously. Nigerians also recognize that no two cases are the same, much like we do in the United States. So this would mean that no two judges will have the same reasoning. Because of this, Nigeria also offers the ability to evaluate the facts of the case, still rule off precedent, but they could apply different reasoning and possibly change the strict application of that precedent. Sounds pretty similar, right? That maybe this could be also said that their judges are also allowed some discretion. The reasoning behind precedent in both countries are the same, and these reasons are valid and reasonable. Both of the systems hopes to promote justice and keep the system from clogging the progress of legal development and rulings in society. This is amazing that two countries are able to recognize that this is a good part of the system and it promotes great actions. Not only can you go into court and have an idea of what might happen, but it is possible to change that outcome as well. The court even recognizes both in the United States and Nigeria that no two cases are the same. We are all different people living very different lives. They know this, we know this, and they put barriers up for this reason 
to help protect us when we go in and fight to change, to change this world and to change the system. This concludes everything that I have to compare about precedent in the United States and Nigeria. Thank you for listening. Hello, I'm Leslie, and welcome back to Legal Systems for Dummies. Today I'm going to be talking about judicial restraint and judicial activism. know what judicial restraint or judicial activism is. To sum it up, judicial restraint is the belief in a strict, narrow, interpretation of the Constitution. It also is an approach to judicial decision-making which holds that judges should defer to the legislative and executive branches and precedent established in previous court decisions. It also limits the factors they consider when making decisions and striking down enactments. State legislatures more accurately represent those people. And conservatives are usually on judicial restraint. In judicial restraint, judges should always try to decide cases on the basis of three things. One, the original intent of those who wrote the Constitution. Two, precedent, past decisions in earlier cases. Three, the court should leave policy making to others. They basically restrain themselves from setting new policies with their decisions. They make decisions strictly based on what the Constitution says. To summarize judicial activism, it is an approach to judicial decision-making which holds that judges should use their position to promote desirable social ends. It is also their belief that the Constitution and its laws should be interpreted with the needs and values of modern society. In judicial activism, they use less star DCs, more judicial judgment, Agenda, Levi's theory, liberals are usually over here. Typically, judges should act more boldly when making decisions on cases. Law should be interpreted and applied based on ongoing changes in conditions and values. As society changes and their beliefs and values change, courts should then make decisions in cases that reflect those changes. According to the idea of judicial activism, judges should use their powers to correct injustices, especially when the other branches of government do not act to do so. Nigeria also has judicial restraint and judicial activism like in many other places. The concept of judicial activism has its origins from the English common law. Judicial decision making isn't a new concept. 
in Nigeria as it is in other places like Kenya. The results of elections have been changed at local, House of Representatives, and Senate levels. Judicial restraint is seen more in Nigeria than judicial activism. Many people in Nigeria believe that more judicial activism should happen since there's a lot of poverty and crime rates are very high in Nigeria. In conclusion, Nigeria and the U.S. both have judicial restraint and judicial activism. Even though in Nigeria, judicial restraint is more prevalent to be seen than judicial activism. They believe that judicial activism will help lead to end corruption. Many people in Nigeria believe that if they don't begin to see more judicial activism, Nigeria will continue to be a third world country. This is Tiffany. Um, this time, and unfortunately, this is the last time, <laughs> um, I am going to cover administrative policy um, and possibly procedures between the United States and Nigeria. Um, this is the last episode of the semester, sadly. So I hope you guys enjoy the interview that I interviewed, um, the same three people as always, um, my mom, Alex, and Chase, and I'm going to start you with Chase again, um, like I did last episode, and just asked him a couple questions, general questions, to see how knowledgeable he is at this age and how he can relate the legal system, such as administrative policies, into his daily life as only being six years old. So, here's Chase. Alright, hi dude. Hi. Can you say hi to everybody on the podcast? Hi. (laughs) Alright, Molly has another question for you, okay? Okay. Um, so you, here in the U.S., we have, it's called, um, there agencies, their policy agent, administrative agencies that make up kind of rules of what people have to follow. So when, for instance, when we're eating our food, there's somebody that watches what people put in it to make sure that there's nothing that's harmful or it's going to make you sick. So that's pretty cool, huh? Mm -hmm. And then there's people that like make up rules that make you safe. So like... For instance, what's one of the rules at school that you have to follow that makes you safe? Uh, Do you know of any rules at school? I forgot which ones. Do you get to, like, run and be crazy in the hallway? Or is there a rule that you gotta walk? Walk. There's a rule that you gotta walk. Oh, um, and um, in gym is in gym at school. We have to be safe. We have to follow the world, the world, the rules. You gotta follow the rules. Mhm. So whatever they say, we have to say, we have to do. Mhm. 
So that's kind of like a version of the people that they kind of make rules and say you can't put bad things in food. That, that's kind of cool, huh? That they start teaching you that really, 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 really young. Do you think that other countries get to do that too? Do you think in Nigeria that they do it there? Do what? That they have rules that they have to follow like that? You have to say what you're doing because they can't see you. Yes. Yeah? Do you think they have as many rules as we do? Or do you think they have more or less? Less or more. Same. Same? You think they have same? Well, they do. They're pretty close. They have lots of things like we do that help them stay safe, too. That's pretty cool that everybody has to stay safe, huh? Mm-hmm. All right. Can you say goodbye to everybody? Bye-bye. <laughs>
whenever you're on the job site. So if you're wearing safety glasses on the job site, what happens if you don't wear safety glasses on the job site? And you either get asked to leave or written up. I don't know how many times you show up without safety glasses. But if there's an OSHA guy that comes, then your, co- your company you're working for will be fined. Okay. So that's the, the repercussions of it. What happens if they get fined? Like, is there like a limit on how many times they could get fined? No, or? but it, the first fine, I think, is like 12000 something dollars. Oh, and wow. then every time it reoccurs, it goes up. And there's no limit to it? No, you can keep getting... Fined? Yeah, but the fine keeps going up. Could they eventually shut down yes, the company? Yes, sh- they can shut down your job site. Oh, okay. We gotta shut down those. So... They... OSHA themselves enforces it. It's not like law enforcement. Like cops no, they're won't... officers. They're law officers. That enforce it? There's OSHA has law officers that'll go to job sites. Oh, okay. So, but like, is it like... Can you go to jail for it? If you get no, in yeah, trouble no, too no, many no, times? No. Okay. So, in Nigeria, they have similar administrative agencies that make up, you know, policies that things need to be followed. Um, I think you were here earlier when I was talking about the drug agency um, for narcotic plants. Do you think, who do you think enforces those over there? I don't know. I don't know what it's called. Do you think it's like similar as here? Like, do you think they have their own agencies that like, like have law enforcement? Yeah, like yeah. stuff like that. I'm sure. Um, so the only difference that I found between Nigeria and the U.S. when it comes to, like, enforcing the policies that are created by these agencies is the U.S. is a lot more strict and they give a lot more, um, I guess the government gives the agencies a lot more freedom to, to, you know, enforce the policies. Like you said, like, they'll come to the job site, they'll shut you down, they'll kick you off the job site, stuff like that. Versus in Nigeria, they don't really have that. So there's administrative agencies that make these policies, but there's nobody to really honestly enforce them. So a lot of these policies are really, really good that they come up with, but they lack the enforcement. So there's kind, they're kind of losing the purpose of having these agencies, and it's kind of going down the drain. Well, it doesn't really make sense to have them if you don't back them up. Right. So you think that they should maybe try to implicate what we're doing here when it comes to administrative agencies? It probably wouldn't be a bad idea. Or do you think that there's another solution that maybe we we should try too? Or do you think that it's good that the agencies have authority to kind of enforce the policies? I think it's good. Or do you think that like a judge should have to enforce them? No, the agency. You think it's good that they had the freedom to do that? The agencies? Yeah. Yeah? Perfect. That's all I need today. Did you stop it? No. Oh, okay. Can you say goodbye to everybody? This is my last podcast. So I'm done with the semester. Yes. What'd you ask me? <laughs> say goodbye <laughs> to everybody because it's my last podcast Bye. of the semester. Bye.
Thank you for participating. You're welcome. <laughs> Bye. All right. Um, so after discussing with Alex some of the differences in Nigeria and the U.S., um, from what I found, for the most part, Nigeria doesn't, they really struggle with enforcing the policies that come from these administrative agencies. Um, so hopefully in the future, as time comes, that they will get a better grip on how to en enforce these policies. And hopefully this will be a lost resource or tool over there for them. Um, with that, I'm going to lead you into my mom, who is, who we discuss a little bit more into depth about these policy or these agencies that exist in, um, specifically an agency that exists in Nigeria. So here's my mom, Tammy. Okay. How familiar are you with administrative agencies? I'm not sure. So like in the U.S., for instance, you know we have administrative agencies that kind of make up laws and rules. Well, I shouldn't say laws, but like policies that need to be followed rather than it's not necessarily a law and the government doesn't enforce, like, I shouldn't say enforce it, but it doesn't... It's not a, like a law, it's not in the amendments, it's not in the constitution, stuff like that. For instance, like the FDA is an example in the U.S. Um, they may, or like OSHA, for instance, for, you know, like safety and procedures and stuff like that. Right. Those aren't technically laws, those are administrative policies. So okay. basically, it's a agency that is acting as the government to ensure certain things like safety and stuff like that. Okay. So, though that's kind of a brief breakdown of what we have in the U.S. In Nigeria, do you think that they have administrative agencies as well? So there's, since there's so much like the U.S., I'm gonna say yes. Um, so they do. Um, for instance, one of our most popular agencies in the U.S. is the FDA. In Nigeria, one of their most popular agencies is it's called the NDLEA, and it's National Drug Law Enforcement Agency, which basically they. <laughs> kind of um they put a limitation on like the narcotic plants that are grown for narcotic drugs um and they also put like limitations on the traffic and like the the transportation of those narcotic drugs and plants um they adopted into like different policies like their Identify it basically goes into measures. It's identify, trace, freeze, confiscate, or seize the products or the plants. Um, and they are, like I said, they're one of the biggest agencies in Nigeria. 
do you think that we should have something similar? Which I don't know if we really do have something similar, but obviously it's not a very popular thing if we do because we don't know about it. But do you think that we should have something similar? All right, so after doing some research into these administrative agencies um, that exist there in Nigeria, um, I think what it would be really useful for the U.S. is maybe, or even just every country, is to look at each country or, you know, nation and see what kind of agencies exist and what they enforce and what policies they come up with, because maybe we can borrow some that we don't have here. That would be good. For instance, I do know that, um, I think it's the F. DA, um, I'm not sure if that's accurate, but there is an agency that enforces ingredients and makeup. And I, for instance, I know, like, for instance, in the UK, or I think it's Europe, actually. Yeah, Europe, I believe. They ban a lot of chemicals that are required to be, you know, that are used in makeup because they're unsafe and they're proven to, like, give, you know, to create cancer and such. So... I definitely feel like maybe the U.S. or and even other countries should look at each other's agencies and, you know, borrow things to help make this world safer and better and hopefully in the future, you know, better our world. So with that being said, um, I want to thank you all for continuously listening to our podcast for Legal System for Dummies and learning about the difference between the United States and Nigeria. And thank you all again for listening to this raspy voice of mine as I have been sick the last few days. And I hope you all have a wonderful day. And once again, just thank you. Hi, my name is Annika Patterson, and you are tuning into a collaborative podcast called Legal Systems for Dummies. For my part in today's episode, I will be educating the world's dummies on constitutional law in both the United States and Nigeria. Listen into this week's episode, and let's set the record straight about what constitutional law really is. To begin the podcast... I first asked a couple of people what they thought constitutional law was. Laws that are stated in the Constitution. A law that stems from the Constitution? I then asked those same people if they had confidence in the Supreme Court of the United States to do their job correctly. I believe they have the power to do things well, but at the moment I don't believe they're doing things as well as they could. Why? Because President Trump doesn't know what he's talking about. Absolutely not. Why? Because the USA doesn't have their together.
constitutional law in the United States really began in 1803 with the Supreme Court case Marbury v. Madison, where this thing called judicial review was established. Constitutional law is the power of the Supreme Courts, both state and federal, to use judicial review of government actions to determine its consistency with the Constitution. The Supreme Court of the United States determines constitutionality of actions using the federal Constitution and the state Supreme Courts using state constitutions. Constitutional law is mainly executed through the use of precedent. In a common law system like the United States, Precedent is the basis of most Supreme Court judicial decisions, as the courts are bound by stare decisis, which in Latin means stand by what is decided. In order for the Supreme Court to call something unconstitutional and strike down government laws or actions that don't fall in line with the Constitution, they must look at the scope of government power, the division of the three branches of government, and the rights in the Constitution that the government cannot violate. The courts also must justify their decisions with explanations. With constitutional law, it is possible to set new precedent, however, because it is set up to the individual interpretations of the judges sitting on the court at the time of the decisions, as well as changing social views that may influence the court's decisions. Take, for example, the case Plessy v. Ferguson, which stated that separate but equal is constitutional. Then came along Brown v. Board of Education, which decided to strike down that case and overrule it by saying that separate does not mean equal, and it is unconstitutional to segregate in schools. Constitutional law can often be a mess due to the vagueness of the very nature of the law. It is interpretive in nature and can get tangled up by the loaded phrases that exist in the Constitution, which could mean many different things to many different people, and it all relies on how you look at it. I can clearly see why the girls were confused as to if they had confidence in the U.S. Supreme Court to do its job correctly by interpreting the laws of the Constitution, as there is a controversial president in office, and the SCOTUS is often viewed as under the president's jurisdiction to dictate their decisions. However, it was clear after our learning today that they are bounded by the Constitution and precedent, not the president, and they are always able to go back to the Constitution and shape with new precedent and exercise their power of judicial review to call government actions unconstitutional. I asked the same two girls if they thought that Nigeria had a constitution, and here are their answers. I do believe that. I have no idea. If you were to guess? Yes. I was impressed that these two individuals had gotten that question correct. But to question if they really knew why they said yes, I had to ask. Because they're a civilized country and they have a government. Because if they're similar to us, then I would think they have some form of constitution as well.
is constitutional law in Nigeria? Well, it's practically the same thing as the United States. Because like the United States, the federal system in Nigeria works as a common law system and relies on precedent to side on cases within the Supreme Court. Since there is a constitution in Nigeria at the federal level, they are able to use their power of judicial review to determine constitutionality of laws and actions of the government as well. However, there is a major difference. Unlike the United States, Nigeria has 16 Supreme Court justices sitting on the bench versus the nine U.S. justices that are on the bench making constitutional interpretations and decisions. Nigeria, however, has a much stronger presidency than the United States, so the executive branch's scope of power is far greater than the judiciary, and thus harder for the judicial branch to carry out their power of judicial review. Part of this can be attributed to the fact that Nigeria has written and rewritten their constitution nine times over the course of time it has been in place since 1914. No one constitution has been established for a long period of time, whereas in the United States, the constitution has been established since 1788, only to have amendments added over the last century is a total of 27 times, and those amendments being decisions of the legislature. The constitution itself, however, in the United States, has been left untouched in the body. Constitutionalism has been hard to maintain in Nigeria since the military and civil leaders feel they can suspend principles in the constitution, which then causes the con of there being a lack of power given to the judicial branch to be able to strike down the government's actions as unconstitutional, as that is the basis of the constitutional law principle. To conclude this series of legal systems for dummies, my reportings have shown that the United States and Nigeria are far more similar than a lot of people I talked to had thought, simply because they imagined a country like Nigeria to be very less civilized. Throughout the series of the complexities of many legal aspects of Nigeria and the United States alike. And even more concerning, we found that a lot of United States citizens lack the very knowledge of the laws and legal principles that govern them. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Legal Systems for Dummies. And as always, stay educated, dummies.